Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Waymaker, and you are Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Amen. Amen. Let's give the kids another round of applause. Awesome. So good. Um, thank you guys for, for joining us. Thank you all for, for tuning in online. Uh, we're so grateful for our student and uh, children ministry and, and our children's choir. And just, just what, a, what a great job that they do and what a blessing it is to just uh, see them worshiping our, our great God. Today is a special service. We um, recognize our students and we pass out back to school uh, prayer cards for them. And I'm just so grateful for all of you who diligently and fervently pray for our students and for our schools and everything that is going on. It's a true blessing. Um, and there, there's, a, there's a, a set of students that um, do not have a picture uh, on, their, on their cards, and that is a special um, group of young men, uh, our Drake Cottage. We have just um, an amazing, um, some amazing house parents, uh, Scott and Connie, I don't know if you're out there. Um, I know that you do try to when you can come and worship, or John and Glenda. We're so grateful for all that they do uh, day in and day out, pouring into these young men. Um, and uh, for um, many of y'all and, 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 and those in our church have really um, maybe experienced uh, them in, in a more intimate and special way. I know we have families that have grown through the Drake Cottage, uh, through guardianship and adoption, and uh, those that... Um, uh, go above and beyond and really take some of these young men under their wing and love them as their own. And we're so grateful uh, for them. Something that's been placed on the, uh, my heart and Lindsay's heart and, and for our family is fostering. And so we um, are, are honored to have uh, a special guest speaker with us. Um, I'm going to ask for Bob McCleary to come up. He is from the North Carolina Baptist Children's Home. He is the residential director at the Broy Hill Campus. And he is the director of foster care services. And I think it's according to Scott Cummings is that he is a diehard Kentucky fan and, and, and bleeds Kentucky blue. Um, I don't know if that's accurate, but we're going to, um, to welcome Bob and ask him to come and speak today. Thank you. Not lies. <laughs> I'm not a diehard Kentucky fan. Myself and Scott, we argue about that all the time. I'm a Duke fan. Yeah. All right. I'm excited to be here. Thank you guys for uh, inviting me to come through and, and speak with you about what's near and dear to our heart. Um, if it's okay with you, I'd like to go ahead and open up in prayer and just uh, give this message to God. Uh, thank you, uh, Jesus, so much for your, your heart and your compassion towards uh, hurting families and towards hurting children, God. And uh, towards healing and helping, and thank you so much for the, the blessing that we can uh, share you with, with these people, Father. Thank you that we, we have a hope in Jesus, and we give you glory, and we give you honor, and we give you praise. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. 
All right. Like you said, uh, like Chris said, I am the residential director at Baptist Children's Homes. I'm also the uh, foster care director, so I get to wear two different hats. So I've kind of prepared a little bit of a message today just to kind of share with you guys uh, three areas that I like to go over. Uh, I like to talk about the state of families and children in North Carolina, uh, in western North Carolina particularly, and then also in Macon County, and then also what uh, BCH has to offer in ways of uh, su support and providing foster care, uh, residential care, and all the programs that we do, and then also to talk a little bit about how you might be able to get involved. All right, if you guys want to turn to your Bibles in 1 Peter 5.8. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. In North Carolina right now, we are, we are seeing families and children being devoured every day. I hate to say it, but that's what I do every day. I'm in that field working with families and kids who are going through hard times, who are going through struggles, who are having battles uh, where children are being taken uh, away from their families and brought into custody, uh, brought into foster care, brought into our residential programs throughout the state. And I have some statistics that I'd like to share with you as well. According to the Casey Foundation, as of July 2019, the state of North Carolina had 17,280 children in some kind of care. Foster care, Residential care, like our campus out at Broy Hill, uh, they could be in a temporary family home setting with a grandparent called kinship care. Um, just even a, a temporary adoptive home sometimes. So we're seeing children placed in all kinds of situations that aren't good, that are difficult, that are hard, uh, for whatever reason. According to the Casey Foundation, in North Carolina, counties like in Western Carolina, Cherokee County has 96 kids in care that they're working with. Graham County has 37 children. Clay County, very small county, has 38. Jackson County has 81. Swain County, your neighbor, has about 82. Haywood County is pushing 147 children in care. Madison County, 124. Transylvania County has 75, Buncombe County has 547, and Macon County has 105 children in care. Now these numbers fluctuate from time to time, but that's probably about right or probably about the average of what we're seeing. These are children who have been removed from their homes for a variety of reasons. It could be neglect, abandonment, Domestic abuse, drug abuse, sexual abuse, and now sex trafficking. We're seeing a lot of sex trafficking going on. And, and your county has been touched by it as well, just like all the other ones. Right now, we're seeing the United States, that area of sex trafficking growing and growing and growing. In North Carolina, um, Charlotte's considered the 11th largest uh, city in America for sex trafficking. Atlanta, just down the road, is the eighth. And it just keeps getting bigger and, and keeps getting worse. Satan is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And right now he's devouring families and children. And 
you know, I share these things with you not to, you know, depress you or not to, you know, discourage you, but, but for you to know what's going on out there. You know, it's easy to not think about these things or to see these things when every day uh, it's something that's happening quite often and quite frequently. Uh, what BCH has to offer in the way of ministry and support is the next area I'd like to talk about. And if you can turn to 2 Corinthians 5.20, share that verse. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As through God, we're pleading through us. As though God was pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I think that's an important verse for us to keep in mind and, and for us to, to remember frequently. Sorry, it's kind of hot up here. Whew, sun's beating down on me. That we are ambassadors. We are ambassadors of Christ to share and witness Jesus to other people. And, and I like to tell a, a little story about uh, something that I got to witness that was really incredible. We had a foster mom who uh, had two foster children. And she was going to uh, the Department of Social Services for a meeting. Uh, she showed up for the meeting, sitting in the lobby, kind of waiting. Uh, the children weren't there yet. The foster dad was picking them up from school and bringing them. And while the mom was sitting in the lobby waiting uh, for her turn to meet, there was another woman sitting there with her. Well, they got to talk a little bit, and they were kind of, you know, sharing what they are there for. And, and lo and behold, this is the mom of the two children that she's doing foster care with. Most people are horrified to think about the fact that they would meet the people that they're doing foster care, the families that they're doing foster care for the kids for. Well, this mom just saw it as an opportunity. She felt like Jesus was, was talking to her heart and helping her to understand that not only are these kids being ensnared and trapped and, and going through turmoil and grief, but so are these families as well. So she sat there and took the opportunity to witness to her, to talk to her, to encourage her, uh, invited her to church, invited her over to her house for supper, everything, just whatever it would take to see this woman uh, open and, and able to hear the gospel. Well, they had the meeting, uh, talked for a little while. Uh, later that week, uh, mom invited, the, the foster mom invited the biological mom to show up at their house for dinner, and she did. They developed a relationship and a friendship, and she kind of helped her learn, because she had never been taught how to raise her children, how to parent her kids, how to keep them safe, how to provide for them. And they developed a relationship over the months, and eventually the Department of Social Services gave the uh, children back to mom, and she had support and help from the uh, foster mom's church. And as a result, she ended up getting saved and becoming a member of that church and staying with the church and raising her kids in the church. And to this day, is still there. You know, so... There's lots of really good things and, and good opportunities that come out of doing foster care and come out of helping people. And, and that story right there has just stuck with me for years. The, uh, the foster family stayed with, I guess, fostering for about 10 or 11 years. And now they actually, the couple works at Baptist Children's Homes as a program secretary and the uh, maintenance director at, at our uh, campus. And they're wonderful people. They're still actively involved. Um, and I think that's one thing that I wanted to share with you guys about today. But that's definitely something that we like to encourage people to think about. You know, we provide residential care across the state at three different campuses. 
We also have Drake Cottage, which you guys are familiar with, and we have several uh, different cottages like that across the state where we provide care for children. We also have a boys and girls wilderness camp down east and an orphanage in Guatemala. And what's interesting about the orphanage in Guatemala, we've been doing that for about, I guess, six or seven years now, and the government has changed hands a couple times down there, and they still continue to allow us to run the orphanage, so much to, to the point that they've given us another building and another permit to open up another orphanage down there where we're serving quite a few children down in Guatemala. We also have a program called Home Base at Western Carolina University. This has really turned out to be a, a blessing and something that we weren't quite expecting. What happened there is the old Baptist Student Union was available. So they asked Baptist Children's Homes if we would take that and use it for all the foster kids who age out and end up going to college and have no support or have no help. Many times these kids will turn 18, go to college. They've been uh, released of reasonable efforts with their parents. They're no longer accountable to them. Um, and they're going to college, they're going to school, and they have no support. What do these children do when school's out? Summer break, Easter break, Christmas break. They don't have anywhere to go. So we are providing housing for them, food, a place for them to go and study, a place for them to, to gather. And uh, it actually turned into a, a, an amazing ministry that not only were we serving foster kids, but we we're also serving international people who are here and had the same problem. So we ended up uh, having quite a few uh, of the young adults running through there and, and going through that program. And that one continues to grow, and it's, it's even growing more now with COVID. Because a lot of the, the students coming back from other countries didn't have any place to stay. They couldn't get into the dorms for a while. So we have been helping them out. Uh, we also have our foster care program. And I want to share with you that we only recruit within the Baptist churches. Our goal is ministry. Our goal is to share the gospel to needy people, hurting people. And at Baptist Children's Homes, and particularly at the Broyhill campus where I'm, I'm out of, our goal is to look for and license only Christian people. We see this as a ministry. We hire born-again believers that work for us. All of our case managers are Christians. And everyone that we have that has the ministry mindset. I say our goal is ministry. Our goal is evangelism. We feel like we have a captive audience of children in foster care to witness and share to. What better opportunity for evangelism? What better opportunity to be an ambassador for Christ than to have a child right there in your home seeing you 24-7? What it's like to walk every day. What do you do when you get mad? How do you respond when you get angry? They've seen all the worldly responses. It's kind of interesting when they get to see how Christians respond every day and how they uh, handle things. And it's amazing to see people get on their knees and pray when they're having problems opposed to screaming and yelling and flipping out. In uh, Mark 16, verses 15 and 16, and he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. And he who does not believe will be condemned. And, and we really see that as an important part of our ministry at Baptist Children's Homes to encourage children and to encourage the families that we, we get to work with and, and to point them to Jesus and to point them into salvation. You know, so I want to encourage you guys, as you 
as this church has been a wonderful help and a wonderful, wonderful support to John and Glenda and to Scott and to Connie, they're out there on the front line witnessing and sharing, and you're supporting them like you would a ministry, a ministry anywhere else or an evangelistic ministry that's going overseas. They're missionaries who are witnessing and sharing every day with these kids, and they get to live with them for two weeks on. And, and you know, sometimes it can be tough, but uh, they do a great job. They're wonderful folks who are committed, and uh, I can tell you right now, they love these children, and they love this church. They shared with me how often you guys have been supportive of them and how often you guys have helped and encouraged them, and, and we just want to thank you so much for doing that. And uh, what I'd like to share uh, uh, as well is how you guys might be able to be involved in some other areas. Brought a list of things. There's lots of ways you can be involved, not just doing foster care. I know that's what a lot of people think. I'm, I'm here to promote foster care, and I am. But there's lots of ways that folks can help out. There's lots of ways that people can be involved and lots of things that you can do, no matter what condition you're in or your age. And, and one thing is you can provide prayer support. We desperately need prayer support for these children. Sometimes these kids will come in, and they have not heard the gospel at all. They're not being trained. They're not being taught. They're not being shown. They're not being witnessed to. They're in, in situations that would just blow your mind, some of the things they experience and see at such young ages. And just the fact that you guys were, are praying for them, the fact that I, I saw a little card with a name in it, and I took one of them for you guys to be praying for in school is, is impressive and, and amazing. And I just want to encourage you guys to continue to do that. Continue to pray for the kids in foster care. They've got a hard life, and they've got a hard time. It's hard to be away from their families, even when they were in bad situations. You know, it's really hard to be away from them. Um, you can support foster families that you may have here within your church. You can help them by donating supplies. Sometimes it can be expensive when you have extra uh, children in your home, extra mouths to feed, or cleaning supplies, or laundry. I know at Baptist Children's Homes, we probably wash about, oh, 10 loads a day, if not more. So laundry detergent's a big thing, always a big help. Uh, even with the foster families. Uh, meals. I know a lot of times our foster families go through a whole lot, and sometimes they have a lot of meetings. So it's really nice to be able to have someone help out in the church to provide a meal for them. Uh, we also have, you know, transportation, uh, babysitting. Believe it or not, that's a big one. Um, if you can do, donate money or respite time to help them out, I know a big thing is just someone that can go pick them up from school sometimes when they're running appointments and and running kids to different counseling sessions and, and things really help out a lot. And then, of course, fostering. And that's one thing I definitely want to talk a little bit more about is uh, within our foster care system, the Department of Social Services has an extremely difficult job. And, and in Macon County, you have a very good Department of Social Services. They're overwhelmed, though. They're overwhelmed. You know, if we look at the numbers of kids they have, anywhere from 80 to 105 kids on average, they, they do a lot. And not only do they have to work with those kids, but they also have to work with their families. That could be a grandparent. It could be a mother, a father. It could be uh, multiple fathers. You just never know how that's going to work out. 
So they have a lot to do and a lot to work with, and they have very few people that actually do it. They keep a caseload of probably about 30 to 40 children plus the families. So it can be difficult. So they're usually only, you know, working with the extreme cases or the squeaky wheel, so to speak. You know, so they have a very difficult job. And that's where we try to step in and help them out by providing foster families. We provide foster families, and we also provide case management services. Each one of our foster families has anywhere from um, two to three kids, and our case managers will help that family navigate the system. They're kind of their covering, uh, kind of the go-between between DSS to kind of help them out. And they really do provide a, a necessary service. And, and like I said, we're only looking to hire Christian people. We're, we keep low caseloads so they can provide real well for the children and provide for the families. Uh, so they keep about 12 at, at the max. So 12 and 40 is a big difference. So the, we're constantly providing for support for them, constantly helping them. Uh, they work 24-7, and they're usually within the community. You have a great case manager with Baptist Children's Homes, Crystal Killian, that works right out here, and she actually lives in this neighborhood somewhere. You know, so she's not far from here. Uh, and she worked at the Department of Social Services for a long time before I was able to steal her away. And, and I've worked with her for, I guess, about 11 or 12 years now. And she does great work. So I want to encourage you guys as a church to also think about what we provide is the, the basic state training for um, families to get licensed to do foster care. Um, we do it in a, a quicker time. We also do it one-on-one -on -one and in groups, whatever will work for you. We like to, uh, to do it at what's going to be a convenient time for the foster families. I know a lot of times it's hard to do training when you have to do um, 10 trainings uh, every Monday from 7 to 10 when you have kids and work and everything. So we do provide weekend trainings, evening trainings, and, and we'll do it at your home and we'll do it one-on-one. -on -one. So we do make the licensing process as easy as possible. And we do like for families to feel supported and encouraged in what we're going through and what they're working on. Um, you'd be amazed at how fast we can get families licensed and trained to take foster children. And like I said, this is one of the most important ministries we have right now at Baptist Children's Homes, and we're seeing it grow tremendously, particularly during, during COVID. Our campuses are considered um, congregate care, and we've been locked down since March. In other words, we have five campuses at Broy Hill, uh, or five cottages at Broy Hill with about 10 kids on each cottage, and they haven't been able to go anywhere except for on our campus. They're treating it kind of like a nursing home, so we're locked down, and it can be difficult. So our foster care program has been growing tremendously uh, as a result because they're not locked down in congregate care. So we're seeing that happen like almost overnight with, with the growth. And I want to encourage you guys as a church, this is where you can really help out and support. Uh, if you're interested in doing foster care, uh, I've got some flyers that you can pick up. I've also uh, will be around for a little while for you to talk to me if you'd like to, if you have any questions. I know uh, your pastor Chris is very interested in, in doing foster care. Uh, so I want to encourage anybody to get with him as well. I don't know if there's any families here that are doing foster care. If you are, God bless you. It's, it's one of the hardest ministries you'll ever love, and uh, it makes a, a major impact on children's lives. And I want to share one last story before I wrap up. There's a uh, couple named Mark and Janina Dehart, and they live out here right now. They were originally from Jackson County. And they called me probably about two and a half years ago and wanted to do foster care. 
They wanted to get licensed. They hadn't had any children, couldn't have children, and were excited about fostering and maybe adopting. But they were going to let God control how that worked out for them. So we met, I trained and licensed them. Um, they got licensed, and they were waiting for their first placement, for their first opportunity. Well, there happened to be two boys who were at Drake Cottage. I had another foster family that was very interested in them at the time. So they, they came and spent some time with those two boys. They got to know them a little bit, took them out for dinner, um, but then had some uh, unfortunate circumstances happen in their family, and they were unable to take these boys. And so Mark and Janina asked if they could talk to these boys and see if they would be interested. They were older. You know, as Drake, most of the kids are a little bit older, and most families get into this to look for younger kids for adoption. But uh, they felt that God was leading them that way. So I set up a visit. They all went out to dinner, got to know each other a little bit, and Mark and Janita Dehart fell in love with these two boys. Um, they, their story just broke their heart, and I don't know if any of you guys remember seeing the video we sent out last year about the two boys camping. We had that out there, I guess, back in, in November of last year. Two boys that were camping with their mom, and um, that's how they lived the whole time, in a tent. And eventually the Department of Social Service came and got them and, and took them in. And these boys had lived that way for about a year and a half in a tent with their mom who had some drug issues. They were bathing in the creek, uh, only ate school food. When they were at school, that was the only time they ever ate. And, you know, they, they had a hard time. Uh, well, these two boys came to Drake Cottage, and Mark and Janina met them, and they adopted them last year. And things are going exceptionally well. The boys are, are thriving. They're, they're loving their community. They're loving everything, their, their schools, everything they're part of. And uh, they just recently moved into Moody Cottage. We've taken the Moody Cottage, which used to be a family program uh, for, for mothers who had children. Um, now they're living there full time, and they're going to even do more foster care kids. And the two boys are so excited to have more kids in the home with them, they can't stand it. And they're going to be ambassadors for Christ to these new kids coming in. So, you know, just know that there are great things happening in foster care. It's not all these horrible stories you hear. I would say in general, most of what I'm hearing and most of what I've been working with in the last 20-some-odd years, there's been more positive stories than negative. You know, it can be difficult because you're taking children who are coming out of situations and, and seeing and experiencing things and, and trauma that just changes their lives forever. And, and if it's okay, Pastor, I want to share one more story, and then I'm going to turn it over to you if that's all right. But um, this was probably about six years ago. I went out to Little Canada in Jackson County. I don't know if anybody's familiar with that area. But there, were, there was a call, several calls, a report on a uh, mother who had two young children, and she was living in a, a mobile home up there, and she was dealing drugs out of the mobile home as well as other things. And... So the Department of Social Services got the call to go up and remove the two children, and I was called to come up and meet them because I had had a family that was willing to take these two children. So I showed up with them at the trailer and the police department, and the kids were not there. The mom was there, and she got caught participating in business and got arrested right then and there on the spot. So uh, we're, we're hunting for the kids, and if you're familiar with Little Canada area of Jackson County is very remote. 
It was very rugged up in that area. It was dirt roads all the way up to her house. So by the time we, we found the kids, it was starting to get dark. And, uh, you know, they were little kids. Uh, there was a little girl that was about three and a half and her brother who was about six. And we showed up and got them. They're playing in the creek somewhere, you know, probably about, I'd say, three, 400 yards away. And uh, immediately these kids, you could see, they had been raised wild. They were like little feral dogs just running around, had, had their own language, would grunt and make all kinds of noises. And every now and then you'd hear them say a, a word that was understandable. So we got them into my car, which was an ordeal because I don't think they'd ever been in a car, much less a car seat. Um, and if you know how that can be, putting little kids in car seats that don't want to be there is pretty difficult. It's real difficult, actually. So I'm coming out of there. Got these kids in the car seats finally, and we're driving, and I'm, I'm hooking them. I'm trying to get these kids to these families as fast as I can before they tear my car to pieces. They, they popped out of the car seat, trying to open up the doors, everything as we're driving down the road. Fortunately, I had the child safety locks on. They're out of the car seats probably in five minutes. And just running back and forth around in there and jumping from seat to seat. And uh, the next thing I know, I see his, his pants come down, and, and he starts to use the bathroom right there in my car. And I'm like, oh, my word, what am I going to do? And then the little girl's complaining, she's got to go to the bathroom. So I, I'm getting out of there, get into Balsam, and get to the rest stop. So I pull into the rest stop, grab both of them like a sack of potatoes, and take them into the bathroom. Well, I've got her in a stall, and he's running around the bathroom, and then he takes out the door. At this point in time, it's probably about 8 o'clock at night now, and I'm, I'm a little frazzled. It's been a long day, and these, these two little coyotes are running around all over the place. Well, I finally get her taken care of and get her settled and start heading to the car, and he's down at the highway throwing rocks at cars. And, I mean, it was, only, it was just seconds. At least that's what it felt like. So we get down there, and I grab him, and, I mean, I just throw him in the car. I'm like, don't even, I don't even try to put him in the car seats. I just I got to get him to the family, which is in Canton. So I finally get him to the family, and they're sitting there so excited waiting for these kids that they had held off dinner knowing that these kids probably hadn't eaten and they were waiting for them. So we get there, smell spaghetti. Oh, my word, it smelled so good. We got in there. The kids, the mom helped clean them up a little bit and got them to the table, and they weren't used to sitting at a table either, obviously, because they did not want to do, uh, do that. So we finally get them to the table, and they, they, they sit there, and the, the kids will not let me leave. You know, they, they grab hold of me, and they're hanging onto my pants as if, you know, I was their lifeline. They had just met me. You know, they were scared to death to be there. So, so I sit down with them, and, and here I am, a stranger that they just met, and they're clinging to me like, like life depended on it. So they look at the food, and they didn't know what to think of it. It smelled great. I thought hungry kids would tear this up, but they didn't want anything to do with it. They'd never seen it. You know, the mom kept explaining to them what it is, and finally... She brought out the box of noodles and showed the kids that, and then they knew what it was because they were used to eating hard noodles, not spaghetti that was cooked, much less with sauce and, and meat sauce on it, you know. So finally, after a little while, coaxed them into eating, got them cleaned up a little bit, uh, got them playing, you know, and, and by now it's like 10, 10.30, and uh, we kind of get them settled a little bit, and I'm able to slip out and and head on, let the foster parents do what they do. And uh, the hard part about doing the training and the licensing and, and the placement was I might not see kids for three or four months. 
Well, it turned out to be about six months before I saw these kids again, and it happened to be at a training, and the family came, and they brought the kids. And I had no idea who these kids were. They were unrecognizable. They were clean. They had nice clothes on. They were talking. They even said, yes, sir, which floored me, you know, just to see the transformation that was made physically, emotionally, and mentally with these children considering all the trauma they experienced of drug dealers in and out of that house, in and out of that trailer, you know, and, and all the abuses that were going on up there. Eventually, that family did, and it took a long time. It was two years before they, they could um, TPR, which is termination of parental rights of the mother, and, and the kids were free for adoption, and then they eventually adopted those kids. And, and I saw them probably about a year ago, and they're still doing great. So I just want to encourage you guys, you know, foster care is really difficult, and it's really tough, and it's really needed, obviously. In North Carolina, like I shared, there's over 17,000 children in foster care, and there's only about 6,000 foster families. So if you feel led, if you feel God is, is touching you or, or even considering doing foster care, please talk to us. Please talk to me. Let me know. I've, I've left uh, some flyers with some information on it. Talk to me after church. And, and I can tell you, this is a captive audience of ministry. You know, you have them in your home, and you can witness and share to them freely. We do not back down as far as who we are as a Christian agency. We, we tell people we are going to witness and share to these kids, and they're going to be involved in Awanas and Bible school and, and Sunday services. So... Please just consider, you know, doing that. And I want you to know Baptist Children's Homes really appreciates everything this church has been doing. We love you guys to death. I know Scott and Connie and, and John and Glenda do, and they've, they've shared nothing but good stuff about you guys. So I want to thank you so much for everything you've done and for all your support. Thank you very much. Thank you, Bob, and so encouraging just to hear how God is using BCH in, in such a great way, and uh, just an incredible blessing just to hear how the Lord uh, is engaging through that ministry, and I, I share a couple of weeks ago, I had the blessing of being part of a, uh, an archery event, and the first family that he was talking about that was part of Drake Cottage that was adopted, one of the, the little boys uh, was at the Moody uh, farm there, and one little boy was involved in that, and all of a sudden I saw this young man come toward me, and he said, Pastor Jason, Pastor Jason, you look different. And I thought, I don't want to ask him why, right? But, but he begins to talk to me, and he says, he says his name, and he shares a bit of his story, and we got to spend a good bit of time together that afternoon. And, and as we were talking, he said, uh, he said, you know, he said, we were talking, he said, well, we've been going to the Bridge Church, and he was telling me, about that, and I said, yeah, my buddy pastors the Bridge Church, I know him, and he said, do you know Austin Erie, and I said, yeah, I know Austin, Austin actually spoke at our wild game feast, and he said, yeah, he said, he just recently baptized me, and I think he said his brother as well, and so just a picture of, of just exactly what Bob was talking about, how the gospel is proclaimed uh, just in the, the midst of what they are doing, and it was such a joy to see the joy that was in uh, that young man as he talked about the Lord, as he talked about his family, as he talked about their move uh, here, and uh, I want to encourage you to pray about 
how God might be calling you uh, individually, how God may be speaking to some of us about the ways that we can involve uh, and engage uh, in the ministry that, that God's doing through uh, the foster care program at BCH, through other uh, places. I, I know as we walked through the book of James uh, a season back, there was this reality that true faith and true religion is displayed in our care for those that are in need and our care for those that are marginalized. James 1.27 says, pure and undefiled religion is this. And it gives us a, a clear picture. He, uh, he, he says that it's to visit orphans and widows in their distress. And that word visit didn't mean just like me hanging out with Tyler the other day for a minute and visiting it. That word uh, means uh, just this picture of looking after or taking care of. And I wonder, you know, as I got to that place as we were walking through the book of James, I want to be honest with you, there was a weekend in that that I didn't hardly know what to do with, um, just in my own heart, you know, what does that look like for a church, what does that look like for a family, what does that look like in our lives, because it's pretty clear, right, in the scripture, and what does that look like, what does a church look like from the outside looking in, what does this church and when I say this church, it's all of you that are gathered in this parking lot. It's those of you that are watching online. It's God's people that have been changed by His grace, that have been born again into the family of God. What does it look like from the outside? And it should look like a people who are caring for widows and orphans in their distress, who are caring for those who are... And, and there are other things that would be listed in our society in this time. What does it look like for a church to be on mission for the glory of His name, proclaiming the good news of the gospel, caring for those that are marginalized in our society, caring for those, uh, you know, he was talking about sex trafficking, and there's all kind of, of ways that, that, that there are uh, people that are, are, are being uh, destroyed and, and families are being destroyed, and so many things. So it's not just these few things, but what does it look like for a church to be doing that? And he says, it's this. He said, it's care for widows and orphans in their distress and keeping uh, themselves unpolluted from the world. It's a church that is taking care of the least of these. It's a church that is engaging that way and a church that is pursuing holiness that says, you know what, there's something different about us. And from the outside in, you're, you're able to see that we're a people that care for those uh, that, that are struggling. And we think about just all the statistics that Bob shared today, they're alarming and they're convicting. I think about my own kids and and, and there's nothing I love more, uh, and I tell my kids that they're never too old for this, right? I love uh, just being able, there's a couple of special times, right? Morning time can be very special, and nighttime can be very special, and there's this beautiful picture, you know, where you have this ability to just lay down and tuck in your kids for bed, or you're able to, uh, to talk to them, pray with them, and, and I think about that, how many of those kids, how many kids don't have a mom or a dad to tuck them into bed at night? Those things convict me. I don't know exactly what that looks like. I'll be honest with you. I don't know what it looks like in exactly in my life, but I know that in the life of a Jesus follower, it looks like something. It doesn't look like nothing. You can't read the Scripture and go, you know what, I, I don't need to be involved in this in some way. It may not mean that you're supposed to foster. It may not mean that, that you're supposed to, but, but you can support people. But God will speak to you. We're, we've been gifted with the Holy Spirit who will guide us and, and direct us. And if we'll ask and we'll pray and we'll seek God, the Spirit of God will convict our heart. And, and, and if we'll look for opportunity, 
then that opportunity will be revealed to us. And so I want to encourage you, you know, today's supposed to be a back-to-school prayer emphasis, and we're going to pray for our students. We're going to pray for Drake Cottage. We're going to pray uh, for BCH Foster Care, for, the, for, the, for, the, for the, all the connections in all of this. But one of the things I want to encourage you to do is to be willing just to say, God, how do you want me to be involved in this? Whatever that answer is, right? Just to pray and say, God, I want you to reveal to my heart how I can be involved. There's different seasons, different situations. I get all those things. But God, how do you want me to be involved? Second thing I want you to do is to, to think about how God wants you to be involved in praying for the life of, in, in, uh, for, for one of our students in our church. Uh, you all received a prayer card, and if you didn't, we'll make sure to get one of those to you if you let us know. Uh, school's crazy this year. Uh, any students out there uh, maybe just trying to figure out this digital thing a little crazy? I see some kids out there. I heard, I heard uh, this one story about some tech support. Um, it's not a true story, but it's awesome, right? So, so I, heard this, uh, I heard this little joke about tech support, and I'm going to make it for our kids. Right? There's this one uh, mom maybe that was struggling a little bit with this digital school and uh, calls for tech support. So she gets on the phone with her teacher, and she says, listen, we're struggling. I can't get our computer to work. All these things uh, are, are just not working. She says, well, the first thing you need to do, ma'am, is close your windows. And so she said, okay, no problem. Puts the phone down. She's gone for a long time. Comes back. She runs in. She gets back on the phone. She says, okay. She said, I've gone through the whole house. She said, every window's closed, but it's still not working, right? And that's the kind of thing that parents are facing this year. That's the kind of thing uh, that our kids are facing uh, this year. And so as we think about how we can pray for our families, it is crazy. It is a different and unique time that we are walking in. But I want to challenge you as parents. You know, I hear people say all the time that they took Jesus out of the schools. I want you to know something. They can't take him out anywhere, by the way. Uh, you, you don't take Jesus out of, of, of anything. And I want to encourage you as we see the things that are taking place in uh, in, the, in the dynamics with our school system. Our parents are having to be involved at a level that is greater than uh, maybe any uh, time prior. And I want to encourage you as parents to keep Jesus in the midst of what you're doing. You have an opportunity to start your day, right? No matter whether you're a homeschool parent, whether you're a, a public school parent, whether you're taking your kids to a, a, another school, whatever those dynamics look like, you have an opportunity to start your day with Jesus. You have an opportunity to pray for your kids. You have an opportunity to do things in the midst of your day. We, we've got so many resources that can help equip to do that. But, but we can engage with our kids in a way that that keeps the gospel centered. I was uh, blessed to be able to hang out with a family a couple of weeks ago that has been uh, in a homeschool program, and as they were walking through some of their curriculum, the gospel was shared through that homeschool curriculum, and one of these kids came to faith in Christ, and I got to come and meet with that kid because the reality is that God intended for every part of our lives, for every situation, for every place, for everything, to be a place that the gospel can progress through his people as they're on mission for the glory of his name. So parents, uh, you, as your kids are at home more this year, or the things that you're dealing with, you have an opportunity for the gospel to progress. So if you got a prayer card today, I want to encourage you not to take that lightly to say, you know what, I'm going to commit to praying for that student. And that may look like setting a prayer reminder in your phone. That may, be look, that may look like putting that card uh, in a place that is there. Uh, but there's been some just incredible stories that we've seen as God's people have prayed uh, for students in our church. Ruth Ann McDonald this week had talked to me. She, had, she said, I can't wait to get my prayer card this year. And Ruth Ann, John, you guys know uh, they've been just walking through such a difficult time. But she said, you know, she said, I, I want to ask you about somebody. She said, how's Tucker McCann doing? And I see his grandparents. I see them. He, she said, how's Tucker doing? She said, you know, I, I had Tucker as my, 
my kid that I was praying for. And for those of you that know, Ruth Ann uh, came to faith in Christ uh, and was baptized. And she said, you know what? I, I'd been praying for Tucker. And she said the most amazing thing, she said the day I was baptized, she said was the day Tucker was baptized. And she said, I, I just want to know how he's doing because I've been praying uh, for him. There's been beautiful stories that we've seen like that. And God invites us as followers of Jesus Christ to be part of the spiritual transformation of the lives of people as we pray for them, as we engage with them, as we share the gospel and we find ourselves in a culture where we're too busy to pray and if we're too busy to pray then we're too busy so how do we pray i want to close this down with just how do we pray for our students what do we do and uh, how do we how do we walk in that and my favorite passage passage that i pray over my kids and my favorite passage when it comes to praying uh, for students was a prayer that paul uh, prayed for the church at colossae as they were facing all this crazy uh, beliefs all these things that were coming at them and in colossians 1 uh, verse 9 uh, through uh, 11 or 12 we'll see how far we get i'm gonna go fast it says for this reason also since the day we heard of it we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask something and he asked something specific he said he said hey since we've heard of you since we've heard of what you're facing he said we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding now this isn't an understanding of saying hey we want to pray for these kids that god will, will allow them to know uh, what they want to be when they grow up right we, it's not a prayer that says hey no, I, my kid's a high school student so i pray with all my heart that god you'll give him the reveal of maybe his next step for his career that's not what it's talking about this is a heart that says i want this student i want this child to have a heart transforming understanding of who jesus is and all that that means in his life you know for years i was in student ministry and and, and god has convicted and broke in my heart I've repented of this but but there were so many times that I taught kids in student ministry a lot of topical things and I said here's how you date here's how you do this here's how you do that and the reality is that what they need to know is who Jesus is that's what they need to know they need to understand who God is and when Jesus is on the inside he'll make a difference in every area of their life because he says listen if you understand who Jesus is verse 10 he said so that you will walk worthy he said if you can have that understanding of who Christ is then and what that means to your life and be transformed by his grace. He said, so that, he said, there's a result. He said that you might walk worthy to the Lord, pleasing him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Paul says, hey, if they have an understanding of the beauty and the majesty of who Jesus is, it changes everything. Verse 11, he says, you're going to be strengthened with all power. Boy, we need that, right? We need his strength in the midst of this crazy world. Not according to our might, not according to anything that we're doing, but according to his glorious might. Oh, I love that. And he says, attaining all steadfast and patience joyously we need that kind of prayer for steadfastness for not only our kids but our teachers that word steadfastness it it's this picture of uh, withstanding hardship or stress or dealing with uh, basically just dealing with difficult circumstances so he says we need to pray for them that they might have steadfastness to deal with all the difficult circumstances and man there are some difficult circumstances and then the second piece is a word and he uses for patience and it's this this picture of being patient with people and can I ask you to do something for me parents uh, students everybody that's walking through this crazy season we're all angry right sometimes we get hangry that's when I get really hungry well right now we we're dealing with all this craziness of COVID and we'll call it kangry right I don't know what you call it but we're dealing with stuff and people are short-edged they're 
our teachers are walking through crazy stuff. All of a sudden, they're like, hey, you're going to teach digital classroom. Nobody has internet, but it'll work out fine. You've got Google Classroom. We'll throw Notability on there, and then you can share that doc and open it in there in a PDF, and then somehow attach it back, and it'll be fine. It's no problem. Everything's good because your kid has an iPad now. And so the teachers are going, okay, now all these kids have an iPad, so I'll record a little video, but nobody can watch it because they don't have internet. And then somehow the parents are getting home from work. I got home the other night, and it's like 8.30. Hope's like, it's time for BFS, Daddy. That's bigger, faster, stronger. I said, it's time for what? She said, it's time for BFS. So we're in the basement, man. We're, we're pumping iron. I'm probably going to, this homeschool thing's going to be good for me. We were up, it's like 11 o'clock at night. We're trying to figure out all this stuff on an iPad. And, and here's the deal. Parents are struggling. Teachers are struggling. Kids are struggling. We're walking through struggles. All of us are. But we need to be a people, right, that are showing grace in the midst of that. Can we be those kind of people at Cali? Encourage somebody this week. If you're a parent, I want to encourage you. Love on your teachers. Love on them. People say, hey, I, if I can help, if I can do anything, I want to be a part of that. I know you guys are walking through difficult times. I know whatever that is. But, man, we want to be a people of grace because the ultimate thing, verse 12, says giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us, right? Look at this. I love this verse, to share in the inheritance of saints of like. We want to be people that are demonstrating what it looks like to follow Jesus. And so we want to close just in a time of prayer. We want to pray for, for our students, for our families, for our teachers, for, for for all of us, right, to be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual understanding, that we might walk worthy of the gospel, that we might be people that demonstrate what it looks like to live the life of a Jesus follower. We want to pray for Baptist children's homes. We want to pray for the fostering thing. We want to pray and ask God, hey, God, what are you saying to me? How can my family engage in that? Uh, many of you received uh, an offering envelope as you came in. Uh, you know, as we leave, we really don't talk about it very often, but as you leave, there's some blue buckets. They're here. They're also uh, at the end of the parking lot, and you have the ability to uh, to put uh, an offering in there. Many of you received an offering for uh, the North Carolina Missions offering. That kicks off this Sunday, and the way we do that at Cowie, uh, it impacts things like Baptist Children's Homes. It impacts disaster relief, uh, impacts uh, nursing homes. There's a lot of different areas that that all connects into, but we encourage you to give uh, toward that. You can do that online through our PushPay app, through the Cowie app, lots of ways that you can connect. But pray, God, how do you want me to connect? Uh, whether that be uh, pursuing options with fostering. Uh, Pastor Chris will be connecting uh, those dots and appreciate our families and our kids being with us this morning. Uh, I know sometimes that can be difficult, but there's nothing more beautiful uh, than seeing kids in the midst of church with their families and engaging and, and seeing them, hearing them, and, and just to know that these kids have a mom and a dad that are laying them and they're tucking them in, they're engaging them, and I appreciate you allowing them uh, just to be with us this morning engaging uh, as we walk. So I want to pray for us, and then uh, Pastor Ron's going to come give us just a few instructions as we close. Uh, thank you, Bob, so much for sharing uh, for BCH. Appreciate the work that you're doing there. Appreciate Scott and Connie. Uh, appreciate uh, John and Glenda. We are blessed to have the Drake Cottage as part of us. They're certainly more of an encouragement to us than we are uh, to them, and, and my life's changed because of being engaged uh, with uh, those people. I could tell you all kinds of stories, but uh, I know it's hot, and I'm not going to, but we're grateful uh, for them. So I want to encourage you just where you're at. Maybe you're in your car and you uh, you can grab a hand of, of someone in your car. Maybe you can take that prayer card and get the name of that student. That Maybe you've got the Drake Cottage, whatever that is in your in your mind. And as we pray together, I want to encourage you to pray uh, alongside me as we lift up our, our students as they engage in this school year, as we lift up uh, Baptist Children's Home, as we uh, just call... Uh, and ask uh, for our God. We know that Satan roams about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. But our God is greater. 
Jesus said, the thief comes not but to steal, kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. And that's what he desires for these children. For uh, And let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we are so thankful, God, that we've been able to gather in your presence. I thank you for Bob, Lord, and his, uh, God, just heart. God, to walk out what you've called him to in his life, Lord, to God, when he examines pure and undefiled religion is this, Lord, for him it looks like facilitating families to be connected in foster, in fostering, Lord, and, and to put those kind of things together, Lord. And I pray, God, for each person, for each family that's represented here. And God, I pray that we will just simply ask you, Lord, what would you have us to do when it comes to uh, those marginalized folks in our community, Lord, and in this nation, Lord, what would it look like for us right now in this season? Lord, I pray that your spirit would speak to us, Lord, and it would, would stir our hearts in a way that you would have us, Lord, to go as individual families, as a church. Lord, what does it look like for us as a church, God, to reflect that? Lord, of people that are pursuing holiness, of people that are God, looking after widows and orphans in their distress, those that are marginalized, those that are there, God, help us as a church. God, to see what that looks like and to walk in what you would call us to. Lord, I pray for every student that is represented by a prayer card this morning, God. For every child and student that is in our midst, Lord, we pray, as Paul did for the church at Colossae, Lord, we pray, God, that you would allow everything that's going on in their life, God, as the kids sung earlier, even when we can't see it, God, we know that you're working. And God, you're working so that the gospel may progress, Lord, through suffering, through difficulty, through uh, COVID-19, through all kinds of different things, Lord. We know that you are sovereign and that you are in control, Lord. And so we pray, God, in the midst of all this craziness, Lord, in the midst of all that, Lord, that you would use all the circumstances, Lord, all the situations, Lord, in every family, Lord, and you would cause that to be used to fill, God, these students, these families with the knowledge of your will, God, in, in all spiritual understanding, God, that we could know who Jesus is and his great love for us, Lord, and that we might be transformed, that we might walk worthy, Lord, that there might be a change, Lord, that takes place on the inside. Lord, I pray for any that are under the sound of my voice that have never trusted you for salvation, Lord, that have never uh, repented of their sins and simply surrendered their life to you, Lord, knowing that there's nothing good uh, that they could do, Lord, knowing that, that there's nothing they could do to earn salvation, but it is a gift of your grace, Lord, and that even in these moments, Lord, in this prayer, God, that they might call upon your name, Lord, that they might uh, surrender their very lives to you. God, I pray, Lord, that God, you would strengthen them with all steadfastness, Lord, that you would give us a, a grace, Lord, that could be shared in the midst of our families, Lord, where we're all facing difficult seasons in the midst of this. But, Lord, I pray, God, that we would reflect uh, your image, Lord, that you might allow students and families and teachers, Lord, that they might uh, live their lives in such a way in this season that their light would shine, Lord, that the world uh, might see it, Lord, that the world uh, might see it just on display, Lord, that, that, that their light might shine, but, Lord, that it might not point to them, Lord, but that, it, that they would see the good works of this church, Lord, the good works of students that are responding well, of, of families that are engaging well, Lord, and, and they would see a light, Lord, but that light would not point to themselves, but it would bring glory to our Father who is in heaven, Lord. May, uh, may you continue, Lord, to 
equip us for the work that you have for us. Father, we pray, Lord, for Baptist Children's Homes. Lord, we pray, God, uh, for the Drake Cottage that's here in our community. Lord, we think about them, Lord, and they become not only uh, uh, house parents, Lord, but all of a sudden they've got a classroom, Lord, and they've got a, a group of kids. Lord, they're, I can't even imagine... Uh, having more than just one or two uh, kids trying to walk through digital school. But, Lord, we pray uh, that we could come alongside them, that others could come alongside them, that, as Bob shared, Lord, we may not be able to do everything, but every one of us can do something, Lord. And I pray, God, that you will help us be the body of Christ. Lord, we're not all uh, called to everything exactly the same, Lord. You've equipped us in different ways, Lord. We're not all uh, the same, Lord. But as you've called us, Lord, you desire us to be used for your glory within the body of Christ. And so, Lord, help us to walk in obedience to that, to your call, whatever that may be, uh, Lord, and, and we promise, Lord, to give you praise. Lord, may you be glorified in everything that takes place through this body of believers, Lord, that you have assembled and called Calway, Lord. May we live our lives reflecting, Lord, who you are, bringing you glory. God, surrendered to your will. God, teach it to us. Help us. Guide us through your, your spirit, Lord. God, allow the life of the vine to be pressed out through the branches here at Calway. Lord, that we might bear fruit. Lord, we love you. We praise you. Father, we ask for your strength, your help. God, we love you. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.